cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert. The story. Headline. The spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cover Story. I'm your host, Jian Wei, product manager here at Vocus uh, for PR Web. And today we are talking with Dr. Michaela Forvoranau. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you, Jian? I'm pretty good. And how is my pronunciation of your name? Uh, you're doing better and better every time. <laughs> every time. Um, Dr. Michaela Vorvoranau is an assistant professor in the Department of Communication Studies at Clemson University. She teaches various public relations and communications courses and does academic research in the area of public relations and new web technologies. Uh, she also runs a blog called PR Connections, which covers public relations, scholarly research, practice, and education. Um, she also goes by the name Dr. V. I hope you don't mind if I, if I go with that, because every time I say your full last name, I have to focus a lot. And okay, sure. I, I don't want to make any mistakes. So, so Dr. V, um, was, we were at a, a recent conference for the Society for New Communications Research Annual uh, Awards Gala um, and Research Symposium, and you told me a really interesting story uh, about how your students would Twitter during class. Um, and I, I thought that was just really fascinating because my experience has always been if you're sitting in class and you're on your mobile phone texting or something like that, that the professor gets uh, upset. But you actually uh, condone it. <laughs> yes, I do. Although you have to understand it's very, very different from texting on a cell phone uh, for several reasons. One, uh, Twitter is part of our classroom experience. It's one of the things that the students were supposed to learn in their uh, public relations principles course. Second, I can actually go back after class and see what they tweeted about. And so if they're going to be engaged in um, online activity during class time, I'd rather that they engage with course material and discuss course material and take notes about the lecture or comment or share links with each other rather than be, you know, IMing with their friends or texting their friends about, you know, Friday night's date. So when you went back and you looked, I mean, what kinds of things were they Twittering about? Okay. Well, um, usually students, uh, they, don't, they don't Twitter every class, and I think they're still a little bit intimidated um, and somehow in disbelief at the idea that, yes, it's allowed to Twitter during class. Uh, but when they do Twitter during class, it's usually um, notes. They take course notes or whatever they feel is most important um, in the lecture. They just uh, put it on Twitter. Uh, sometimes they ask questions of each other if they missed something that I said. Uh, they might ask a question, and a, another student might help them out. Uh, we actually had uh, one class experiment in which they were absolutely required to Twitter during class. Um, I was trying to teach them how to cover an event live uh, with Twitter, and it so happened that on that day, um, Laura Fitton, who's a Twitter consultant, um, very well known. Twitter, I'm Twitter sorry, a Twitter show, right? consultant? Uh, she's a Twitter consultant, yeah. She actually okay. has a consulting company that helps um, firms huh. get on Twitter. Okay. Um, she, we, we call her in class, we, we call her the queen of t Twitter. She goes by the <laughs> username at Pistachio, 
and she's really a Twitter personality and um, actually one of the two people working on a book about uh, she's working on writing Twitter for dummies right now. So uh, she was our guest in class. She Skyped in and talked to our students, and so the students were live Twittering what she was saying, and she was trying to monitor Twitter. Um, and very many other people um, from, from outside of class got in the conversation, and that's why, because for that one hour while my students were live Twittering class, we were the number one conversation on all Twitter conversation tracking boards, okay? which was quite amazing for a group of young students, most of them women, um, to gain that much um, power and so such, a, such an important voice and such a loud voice. We were just talking in class right before we started class how social media and Twitter alter power relationships and how they empower uh-huh. publics. And then uh, it happened right there. They saw how their voices were louder than um, anybody else's, than all other conversations. And this was during the political elections. And so our conversation was kind of was ranked higher than conversations about Barack Obama and Sarah Palin, which was really, really amazing for them. And they really um, got to live and experience the concepts that we were just talking about. So um, that's one of the many uh, benefits of using Twitter in the in the classroom. Uh, there are also drawbacks. It's it's not a it's not an easy barrier for students to cross. It's very different from what they're used to. It's very different from Facebook. Um, on Facebook, they only get in touch with people they already know. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, they find it very weird to talk to people they haven't met in real life. And uh, in the beginning, every time they would follow somebody new, they would apologize for following, which I thought was really really funny. Wait, okay, I'm, I'm confused. So when they follow somebody, that means they're able to see that person's uh, tweets, right. that person's messages. Why would, they, why would they apologize for following somebody? Okay, well, that's exactly what I asked. Because, you know, in Twitter culture, the more followers you have, the more popular you are and, and the happier oh. you are, right? It's really usually you thank people for following you. And in Twitter culture, it's considered very, very good when people follow you. Whereas mm-hmm. they perceived it as in Facebook, if you're friending somebody you haven't met in real life, that's really oh. awkward and weird. And it's like uh-huh. stalking. And so that's why, because they were practicing the culture that they're accustomed to on Facebook, and they were transferring that culture to Twitter, although Twitter has created a different culture around it, and it, there are different social norms about how to use Twitter, but, mm-hmm. but they're not used to them. They're used to Facebook. And so if you befriend somebody on Facebook that you have never met before in the student culture, that's really, really weird and awkward, and, and they get freaked out sometimes, you know? So because I was asking them to find people to follow and to follow people they haven't met on Twitter, they felt weird and they were apologizing, and it took them a while to you know, to get the hang of it and to figure out how, that it's okay, that people are actually very, very happy when you follow them. This is really fascinating because what it gets to is, at least for me, this idea that these different websites, Twitter, Facebook, um, have really evolved into communities, and these communities have norms uh, and uh, an etiquette that can differ quite um to an extreme. I mean, you were saying that on Facebook, you're, if you invite someone to be your friend, you really should be friends with them. But what you're, what you're telling us is that on Twitter, to follow somebody, you don't necessarily even have to know who they are. Exactly. Exactly. You just have to be interested somehow. And it's, it's 
um, totally acceptable, socially acceptable to follow on Twitter and to jump into conversations with people who you haven't met in real life, whereas on Facebook, or at least the original Facebook culture, which was built and created by, by college students, that would be totally, totally unacceptable. And that's exactly the main point, is that there are really cultures that develop around social media tools. So you have a culture of Facebook and you have a culture of Twitter, and I don't really use, you have a culture of blogging and commenting on blogs and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. I don't really use many other services, but, you know, there's Plurk, which is another microblogging service, and I'm sure that as people continue to use it, if they do, a new culture is going to develop on it. And so this has real implications for public relations people. We were just talking yesterday in class about culture and public relations. And really until now, when you talk about culture and PR, you talk about international public relations, doing PR abroad, or you would be talking about um, ethnic communities, like doing public relations with a Hispanic, you know, Hispanic public or Native American public and how it's important right. to get to know that culture and adapt and all that good stuff. But right now with social media, what emerges is that really cultures develop around um, communication channels and around mm -hmm. um, social media tools. And so basically, as one individual, I belong to several cultures. If you do public relations or if you market to me on Facebook, I will find certain things acceptable. But if you try to do the same things on Twitter, I'll consider them spam. You know, So it really, really complicates things for public relations people, and it really makes it very, very important to listen and to learn the culture of each community and of each channel before you jump in, because you can say that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with social media culture. Just because you are very familiar with Twitter doesn't mean that you can counsel people on how to do PR on Facebook. There are different worlds. This is, this is really important because I think uh, a lot of PR practitioners um, are interested in getting more involved with social media uh, communities, but one of the things that I'm getting from what you're saying is that they really have to be aware of uh, each of these in, in isolation, and they have to understand that these are different communities with different norms, and before they really interact, if they want to interact in a positive, beneficial manner, they really have to sit back and listen. But I want to get back to something you said earlier about power dynamics in social media communities, um, because I know you recently did some research. Um, and so when we get back, we're going to have to cut to a quick commercial break right now. But when we get back, I want to, I want to hear more about power dynamics and how PR people can use blogs to assert their power. Okay, sure. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Jeez, another year with no refund from the IRS. I got a nice chunk of change this year. I'm buying a new car and I'm going to Fiji. How in the world did you do that? I got in on TaxBrain.com's affiliate program. And it's easy to make big money during tax season just by bringing them other people paying their taxes. TaxBrain.com? How does that work? With TaxBrain.com's affiliate program, I command a huge payday with their nitro payouts. Because I get paid for leads as well as sales. That sounds easy. How do you do it? They give me all the tools it takes, like dedicated publisher support, analytics capabilities, custom tracking and creative services, and so much more that I need to make money the easy way. Wow. With 140 million households paying taxes every year, I bet there's no shortage of business all season long. Now you got the idea. Make money off the tax man. How do I find out more? Visit TaxBrain.com forward slash affiliates to find out more. TaxBrain.com, America's online tax service. 
Looking for a new way to build backlinks and traffic back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to over 30,000 subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO, SEO ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours. Article distribution at its easiest. One form, one click, thousands of results. Get your free account today at ArticleSender.com. That's Article S-E-N-D-E-R.com. Are your domains locked to the max? If not, your online brand presence and your entire online business could be at risk from Internet thieves. Imagine the damage that you and your company would suffer if control of your domain was lost. Protect all of your valuable domains with MaxLock. From Moniker, your domain asset management specialist. With MaxLock, even if your email accounts are hacked and your passwords are stolen, your domains are protected in your Moniker account. Transfer your domains to Moniker today. Powered by MaxLock. Delivering maximum protection for your domains. Find out more at Moniker.com slash MaxLock. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. Purse Strings, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Cover Story. I'm your host, Jian Wei from Vocus, and we're speaking today with Dr. Michaela Vorvoranau from Clemson University. And uh, before we cut to commercial, uh, I mentioned I wanted to get back to what you had talked about earlier in uh, in regards to power dynamics in social media communities. Now, you mentioned uh, when your class was Twittering, um, they actually became one of the most prominent uh, uh, one of the most prominent conversations in Twitter, even trumping uh, the Obama uh, conversation around the Obama ca- uh, campaign. Um, now, I was looking at PR connections a little bit earlier today, and I saw that you had recently done some research into blogging and the role blogging plays in public relations. Can you tell us a little bit about the research and some of the findings from that research? Yes, sure. I'd be happy to. And really what um, this research has confirmed was um, my hunch that blogs are playing and will continue to play a very important role in um, for public relations practitioners as individuals and for the public relations profession as a whole. Um, I was just looking actually back at my Peer Connections blog and I just found that the first blog post I ever wrote, um, which was in November of 2007, is titled New PR Hope. And in this post, I'm, I'm, you know, just it's just an opinion. But my opinion and my guess was that PR blogging will accomplish very two very important things for the PR profession. Really move the PR practice towards uh, being more ethical and more transparent because PR bloggers kind of keep track of each other and um, critique um, PR practices. 
and in consequence also establish a better reputation for the field of public relations as a whole. I don't need to tell you that um, PR tends to have a PR problem. And I think that PR problem is um, very likely to be helped a lot by the transparency um, in blogs because when, when PR practitioners blog, they reveal their thinking processes. They let people in behind the curtains, okay? And so uh, everybody can see how we think in public relations, how we make decisions, how we make, you know, um, how we plan strategically. And really they're going to slowly learn that we're not only spin masters who are going to lie or say, you know, do whatever it takes just to put the client in a positive light because that's not what's going on. And what public relations blogs do, they really let people in um, and they, they reveal this information about the field of PR. But you asked me about the research itself and some of the data. So, um, um, this was a survey that I did um, online, and I recruited people to Twitter, actually, and I want to call it a viral sample. Um, technically, it's known as a snowball sample, although I'm not sure that the research methods books um, are really familiar with what can be done on Twitter. Um, so it was a viral sample of Twitter users. Um, I just put the survey link out on Friday afternoon, and by Sunday evening I had over 170 respondents. Within 10 days, I had 203 respondents, um, and now this is not a representative sample. It's not representative of any population that I know of, so we have to be very careful generalizing from the results. But that being said, okay, blogs matter for public relations in several ways. First of all, they really matter in hiring decisions. Okay? Um, among survey respondents with more than five years' experience, 74% of them would hire a job candidate who has a blog. Only 18% would hire the one who doesn't have a blog, assuming, of course, that the blog is good, professional, well-written, and all the other qualifications and skills are similar. And so you can see one quick benefit of blogging. It can really help people get jobs. Now, why also- is that? I mean, I'm just... Can I, if I may interrupt for a moment, I'm an sure. employer. Um, I'm looking at two candidates, and they're roughly similar. One right. candidate, however, is blogging, and they're talking mm-hmm. about the, the industry and the profession. Um, is, this, is this a potential risk, too? I mean, what if I hire them and they start blogging about you know, their new workplace, or what if they start blogging about the clients that they're working with, et cetera, et cetera? I'm, right. I'm, just, I'm just shocked that there's so many people that are just so supportive of blogging. Really? Yes. Um, and actually, these reasons... I mean, I'm, actually, I'm actually not. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Right. Go on. These reasons were mentioned by the um, 18% who decided they would hire the one without a blog. Actually, okay. their main concern, yes, was that the person might reveal um, strategic secrets of the company or that they might be blogging on company time. Uh, the ones who wanted to hire the one with a blog said that really, it really shows... One thing that it shows is that the person is going above and beyond the minimum required. And it shows that the person is committed to the profession. It's very, very involved. And it shows that the person is somewhat familiar with social media or at least with blogging. And so they, they have a skill set that's, you know, um, that's a plus. And uh, very interesting that even the PR practitioners who they themselves do not blog, they were more likely to hire the candidate who does have a blog. Interesting. I wonder if this is almost like, you know, maybe 15 years ago, if you had done this with, uh, I don't know, other competencies like Microsoft Excel or or maybe Access or something like this, you would have found similar results. 
Um, it's quite possible, quite possible. I, I don't know. I, I can't really uh, venture a guess. Sure. But um, I can tell you, uh, among the people who do uh, maintain a blog themselves, and again, these are all public relations practitioners or uh, educators or students, I asked them what benefits they have already derived from their blogs so far. And really people list quite important benefits, okay? So the most important one that most people list is really having a lot of contacts, networking, and engaging with the public relations community. And so it was about 34% of the people who answered, they mentioned uh, something along these lines. And then uh, three other benefits that were actually, all the three of them were mentioned by almost 30% of the respondents. Um, the second one was real business benefits. Um, out of their public relations blogs, people got um, jobs, new clients, additional income, um, sometimes internships, and speaking opportunities. And so actually there, there seems to be an actual ROI of blogging. Um, and another um, important aspect, another important benefit was learning and keeping current. And so this is a very important aspect of professionalism as it's defined in the academic literature. And again, the public relations field has had some issues with professionalism because there are many people who work in public relations who are not trained in public relations by no fault of their own. Um, academic departments haven't kept up. Most public relations programs are fairly new. And so this issue of professionalism, so you can see how blogging, um, either blogging or reading blogs, is, is helping the issue of professionalism by helping people learn and keep current with what's going on in the profession. And then another important benefit was um, gaining recognition and credibility and being recognized as a thought leader um, and helping with your online identity or personal branding. And so we can infer that being recognized and ga gaining credibility is something that's um, you know, that might lead to other, you know, speaking opportunities and business benefits. And I saw this firsthand um, just uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was the national, at the National Communication Association's um, annual convention in San Diego. And this is a big, big conference where all the uh, academics who work in communication studies uh, gather. It's a conference of over 10,000 people. And so, um, you know, you have to wear a name tag like you have for all conferences. So I had all sure. sorts of random people approach me and say, hey, you write the PR Connections blog. I read it all the time. I make my students read it. And these were random people who I didn't remember ever meeting before. And they just um, recognized who your didn't name. didn't actually from... know me, but they recognized uh -huh. my name. And so that's really an example of how you gain recognition and credibility, and you are being perceived as a thought leader. Uh, for example, the program chair for the public relations division of NCA, she said that she reads my blog and she asks her students to read her blog, um, to read my blog, right? And so um, she's the program chair. She's going to decide what kind of papers and what kind of panels are accepted at this conference in 2009. And uh, dare I say that with my small blog, I somehow provide some thought leadership and influence um, the program of the Public Relations Division of NCA, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, a fairly valid um, assumption that this happens. And, in fact, she was saying that, oh, next year we're going to have lots of panels on social media. This is really, really very important. And um, I don't know, maybe part of um, those ideas, maybe she got them from my blog. I don't know. But it was a really, really interesting experience to have people just come up to me and say, like, yeah, you, you know, I learned from you and my students learned from you. So um, that was in terms of illustrating the. I think that was the fourth benefit: gaining recognition and credibility. Well, I can I can I can tell you from the corporate perspective, we certainly look at blogs, and when we see something out there uh, that may be critical um, or supportive, we always pass it around. And you know, I think the thing we sometimes try to 
try to remember or tell ourselves is like, is listen, you know, the actual world of people we deal with, the world of stakeholders is quite vast. And this is a small percentage of that, that larger world. But at the same time, we can't help because of these people are, or their comments are public and because they're, they're, we find them online, we can't help but somehow weigh them almost unevenly. And we, we, it happens to us every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And so there's, it's a way of keeping, you know, checks and tabs, I guess, on the, on the PR field and on the PR profession, um, which actually brings me to the other important results from this study, um, the impact of public relations blogs on the field as a whole. Uh, 91.89, that's 92% of respondents thought that PR blogs have a positive impact on the PR field as a whole, um, on the PR profession. And if you break this down, and, you know, I looked at their open-ended answers, they were really about knowledge and professionalism. So uh, PR blogs help the PR field as a whole because people educate each other. They create and share knowledge and best practices they have an avenue for dialogue and discussion. They uh, unify the public relations field so that people are more on the same page and they know what others are doing and what are best practices in the field, and again, help people learn and keep current. Um, and some people commented directly on issues of professionalism, such as increasing transparency for the public relations profession and uh, trying to, to move away from the stereotype that PR people are flax. Uh, that blogs help establish higher professional standards and that they help prove the value of public relations by teaching basically people more about public relations and, and how it's done and what's ethical, moral, and um, effective. This is, in many ways, it seems like this is a, a perfect salvo for public relations practitioners given where we are in the industry today. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Well, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, I want to talk to you about um, the results from some research uh, that you and I participated in uh, for the SNCR study uh, into the ROI of online press releases. But before that, uh, we are going to cut for a quick commercial break. All right. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, have you got that number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, Amazon, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. Local Pages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. <laughs> We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters. 
language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of search, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Our Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Cover Story. I'm your host, Gian Wei, and I'm joined by Dr. Michaela Vorvorinow from Clemson University. And uh, were you Twittering? Have you been Twittering dur- during this interview, Dr. V? Okay, well, just a couple of times. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just checking now. I, am, I think every time we talk, I'm going to constantly think in the back of my I wonder in the back of my head, are, we, are you Twittering or not about what okay, we are Okay, I promise about. I won't Twitter until... The interview is over. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind as long as, it's, as long as it's good. Um, <laughs> so we recently, and I'm going to have to preface this uh, for the sake of transparency, which is important, um, by saying that VOCA sponsored some research that was uh, executed by the Society for New Communications Research, and our research team um, was led by Dr. V. And um, so our question, I'm just going to, state what our question is, and I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you because uh, you're the one who really who did everything. But our, our question was really, uh, what is the return on investment of press releases? Um, and this was driven by a, a need to understand who the different people were that were using press releases. And it had we had seen that it had expanded beyond just the uh, PR practitioners into, into a few other interesting segments. And they were using it for different reasons, and they were using different uh, methods to evaluate whether what they were doing was successful or not. Um, and we really just wanted to have a, have a better understanding of this, and that's why we approached SNCR, and uh, SNCR tapped Dr. V. And um, Dr. V, what, what were some of the main takeaways from, from the research that you saw? Right. Well, and I mean, talk about how exciting research is and how you ask a question and then you find out something that, at least for me, it didn't even occur to me to ask about. But we, really, we asked about the ROI of online press releases, but I think the main answer that we found was really that um, press releases are really evolving in several kinds of um, tactics, I would, I would say. Um, what we found in the in the study was that actually press releases are being um, sort of hijacked by people outside of public relations, and they're being repurposed and um, to do other things. So, for example, it's not only public relations people that use press releases. We found that it's also a lot of marketing professionals and um, just small business owners who are just trying to market their own business. And what these people are doing, um, they're teaching an old dog new tricks. So... In public relations, traditionally, we use press releases, right, to communicate news to the, to the media, to mainstream media. But what we saw with uh, marketing and small businesses is that they use press releases more um, 
um, and I'd like to call them news releases. They're repurposing them from press releases to news releases that are used to communicate news to the public at large, uh, whether it is in a a business-to-business or a business-to-consumer environment. Some of them actually use them to... um, just for sales directly to to try to um, sell something, um, and they're using them for search engine optimization to drive to uh, to try to drive more hits to the website. And so it was really really interesting. Again, when we looked at the audiences that they're trying to reach, of course they're trying to reach traditional media, and that's that's a traditional audience for press releases. But they're also um, you know um, trying to reach new audiences such as bloggers and new media outlets, consumers directly webmasters, partners, financial analysts, and investments community uh, people. So what we're seeing here is that they're using the news release to um, sometimes to bypass uh, traditional media and to reach their audiences directly, um, which is really a very, very interesting finding. And um, so depending on what audience they're trying to reach and what purposes they're trying to accomplish, of course the way they're going to measure um, the press releases or the online news releases is going to be very, very different. But for me, the main lesson was that um, it's really that, yeah, you can teach an old dog uh, new tricks and that um, marketing and public relations people, they actually have a lot to learn from each other because I think public relations is stuck with a more traditional way of using uh, press releases, and they could learn from marketing some of their best practices in terms of SEO and reaching consumers directly. Um, and then marketing is just kind of is kind of new at using this tool. And so there are certain best practices from public relations in terms of targeting audiences and doing research on audiences, and maybe in terms of um, how exactly to. Um, you know, to phrase and, and write the news that they could learn from each other. So I thought I thought that was the main story that the data told me. Um, it was the story about this traditional press release use and then this novel use of press releases, which I call news releases, um, and how right now basically the press online press release has evolved into into two different, at least two different directions. Well, I think. Uh, that's a good place for us to end today's uh, conversation. Um, although I would like to take more of a deep dive into that, I think we're going to have to, just because of time constraints, push that off for another day. But I sure. do want to urge everybody um, who's interested in all the things that we've been discussing today to check out your blog, PR Connections. And what's the easiest way for people to find PR Connections? Just PRConnections.net. PRConnections.net. Okay. Um, or I, I believe you can Google it. I Googled it earlier today, and I think it was coming up number one. So. All right. <laughs> um, so with that, I think we're going we're gonna to close out today, and I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, once again, it, it's been a pleasure, and um, I will look forward to seeing you hopefully pretty soon. Okay. Thank you so much, Jan. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.